You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Oh, my goodness. And they wouldn't let me participate. Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. And Chin and Matt, Matt. Never again will you be on camera. I'm just saying. That joke was hilarious. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. We're grateful for all of you. And uh, we have root beer floats out there for the dads after church for all of you to enjoy. I hope you'll take time to, endo that, to enjoy that. We have been going through a series on Revelation, walking through themes out of this incredible letter that God authored through John the Apostle. We've been looking at each chapter as a theme instead of trying to get into deep into the symbolic detail. And today we're in chapter 10 for Father's Day. And as I was reading and studying this, I was thinking about my dad for Father's Day, some of the things that he would say to me. You know, dads are notorious for not just dad jokes, but dad lines. He says things over and over to me. I never forgot some of them. One of them was this. Dad would always say, now take time to smell the roses, which was hilarious to me because he never had roses in his house at all or around his yard. I was like, what is he talking about? Well, he was trying to get me to slow down and enjoy the things of life around me. Can I get an amen to that? That's pretty good. The second one was really personal to me, and I never forgot it because it, was, it helped us resolve a relational issue we had, my dad and I had for many years. And at the end of that, with the apologies and all the things that were going on, he said to me, you know what, Scott, in, in my worst days, I always remembered that God has his thumb on you. He never gets away from you. You may run from God, but he always has his hand involved in your life. And I never forgot that. That was something very important to me from my dad. But the third one I thought was original with my dad. Apparently, every dad has said this to their kids. In fact, I'm guessing most of you had parents that said this to you. When they would discipline me, my dad would say, this hurts me much more than it. A few of you had the same dad, apparently. This hurts me more than it'll hurt you. And when he would say that, and he's about ready to discipline me, I'm like, okay, if that's the case, then don't do it. Come on, give me a break. Weren't you like that with a kid? You just wanted to avoid the discipline. And then when you became a parent, you realized being the parent makes discipline hard because it does hurt us as parents to discipline our kids. Can I get an amen from parents on that? Well, that's what I want us to see today in Revelation chapter 10. Revelation, we've been going through these themes. We've covered a lot of ground. We've covered Jesus showing up in his transfigured body. We've talked about letters to the churches. We've gone through with the throne room of God and what it looks like in heaven and worship. And then we've talked about the seals being released from the scroll of judgment. And then last week, the trumpet sounds as judgment begins on the earth. And there were six of them that we went through last week. The last two being two of the three woes that were crying out, earth crying out to God in the midst of all this judgment activity. And then at the end of chapter uh, nine and into chapter 10, God takes a pause. 
He does what he often does in this whole story. He offers an interlude, a stopping point, a pause for humanity to turn back to him. And in the midst of this chapter, I'm going to walk through it with you today. Chapter 10, Revelation. Grab your Bibles, grab your electronic device. I want you in the scripture with me. It's my favorite part of this whole study is people in their scriptures. I want you to see that this scene is one of two scenes, 10 and 11, where God takes a pause waiting on humanity to turn back to it. Chapter 10 starts with this vision from John the Apostle himself. He says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. And he planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders or sevenfold voice spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, stop, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Now that's fascinating to me. I just pause there and see what's happening. God stops the woes of judgment that are happening with every trumpet sound. And before we get to the seventh trumpet, he takes a pause and he sends a mighty angel down with a message that's actually open. This one's unsealed. And you see in this mighty angel some attributes that match very closely with the Jesus you saw in chapter one. He's got a cloud that envelops him as his robe. Can you imagine that? A a cloud that's trailing him like a robe, showing his authority to judge. And a rainbow around his head. Not a rainbow like our world tries to apply. A rainbow of God's faithful promises being fulfilled around him. That's what the rainbow represents. God's faithful, holy promises. And then... You see his face shining like the sun and legs fiery pillars like like what Jesus looked like in Revelation 1. And you might read this just like I did years ago and think, oh, well, this is Jesus. He's coming down to earth. He's got power from on high and he's going to call out this judgment. He's got the final little scroll in his hand. And that would kind of make sense until you read further and realize that this mighty angel is not quite Jesus. He's like Jesus, but he doesn't have all of the power or authority that Jesus has. And he doesn't appear like Jesus appears. And he's limited in his size and scope, unlike Jesus. And what you're seeing is this. You're seeing a huge, mighty angel that has come down from heaven that's been in the presence of Jesus for a long period of time, maybe even forever. He looks like Jesus because he's been in the presence of Jesus. Remember the story of Moses? When he went up on Mount Sinai and the presence of God was surrounding him and the glow of God was around him, he wasn't even allowed to see the face of God. He could only see the backside of God. And yet that glow he brought down and everybody said, whoa, stay away from Moses. 
He's been in the presence of God. That's what this angel represents. And the angel comes down and he's got this little scroll in his hand. And notice the scroll's not sealed. It's wide open. It's available. If we were John, we would, be at, we would have access to read it and to see it. But just as the seven thunders announced the message of this little scroll, God says, seal it up. Now, I like irony. I like reading the scriptures and seeing things in the scripture that maybe I missed before. And isn't it fascinating that the first time we talk about seals was with seven seals on a scroll that have to be opened and revealed for us to read it. And then the second thing that happens last week is there's a mark on people, a seal to mark the people that are not going to be judged. And then here we have an open scroll and he says, seal it. Why? What is it he's holding back? If I, if I were listening and getting this letter from John in one of the seven churches, I would want to run to Patmos and say, hey, John, tell me some of the details. Like, what did the seven thunders say? Come on. You, you can tell me. Come on, just between the two of us. No, he couldn't. Because sometimes God gives and reveals things to you that you are not to tell. Sometimes God holds back on things that we cannot understand because we're not ready or permitted to know it yet. He seals it up out of his holiness and justice for us. So this message, listen carefully to me, follow along. This message is sealed, separate, which we would term in our language, it's holy, it's separate, it's beyond understanding. It's incapable of us fathoming. And it's kept for a later time when we are capable of understanding. I find that intriguing. And realize, as we just pause for a second and consider this angel and his message, Realize how holy God is. Come on. You worship a God who is holy. Help me. Holy, holy. We've seen it over and over in Revelation. We heard it from Isaiah when he saw him for the first time. He is so separate, so unique, so holy, so pure, so powerful that even his words and knowledge is too much for us to handle. Can I get an amen? And this message that John is part of is considered so holy that he, he can't fathom it nor give it to us. You know what? That's really fascinating to me. Why? Because years ago when I was reading through the Bible and studying it for the first time, I kept coming across this statement that was said by Isaiah and then echoed by Jesus several times. And then even Paul said it over and over and it just kept showing up in scripture over and over. I kept wondering, why is this one statement, this one set of verses so repetitive? It was the echo of Isaiah that God gave to Isaiah and Jesus kept giving to us. You people, you see with your eyes, but you don't see. You hear with your ears, but you don't hear. If you did then you might turn to me and I would heal you. What is he saying? 
If you came to me as a holy God and sought my purity, you'd discover my heart. You know what we do? I know, this is sidebar, but I feel like I need to say it. We're good at the excuses, not the purity. Come on. Oh, I'm good enough. I'm not like that person. I'm certainly not like that person. Sorry, didn't mean to point at any one of you back there. God understands this is just who I am. No, it's not. He's a holy God. He is a pure God. And what did Jesus say? Be perfect, not perfect like sinless. Perfect in your practice and your behavior because I, your God, am perfect. I am holy. And I call my people to realize my heart. You see in this angel a demonstration of God's holiness because that's his heart for you. And can you just have a private moment with God today and realize whether you understand or not, whether you get it or not, he is holy and he expects you to live a pure and holy life. Amen? Amen. Then no more excuses. Start living it. Because that's his heart for you. But look at what he says next. This is a fascinating interlude. What God is doing is he's revealing his heart to us through this story. And so it goes on, verse five. He says, then the angel I had seen standing on the sea. I've been seeing this. He's been standing on the sea and land, raised his right hand to heaven. This is powerful. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and in all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it. And he says, There will be no more delay. Wow. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, all these years. There will be no more delay, which implies this, that there has been a delay. Do you see that? God has been delaying his justice. He's been delaying it since the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3. He's been holding back on the justice that we deserve. He's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Why? Because he's an unjust God? No. He's a just God. But he's been waiting patiently for his children to come back to him. Come on, parents. How many times have you known something about your kids, but you wait, 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 hoping that they'll change their hearts before you have to intervene? Amen? God's been patient with you and I. Hear the statement. He's a just God. And there comes a day when waiting ends and justice 
begins. And listen carefully, that's great news for many of us when we've gone through unjust experiences. When you've gone through heartache, when you've gone through pain, when you still, maybe some of you are in it right now and you're like, where are you, God? Why aren't you doing something about this? Why aren't you doing something about this world? And you're holding out, waiting for his justice to come. Well, I got news for you. When it comes, it won't differentiate between you and other people. The justice will come to you too. It will come to me too. And all of the injustice that we've performed will face a holy, just God. Pay attention. God is saying, my patience will come to an end and justice will begin. And that's exactly what the angel is crying out. Here is heart for justice to happen. I was thinking about this in time, in reference to the time that this was happening in. If you were part of that time period, like 90 AD, Rome was still in control and there was this common practice that was part of the sports of the age called gladiator games. Any of you seen the gladiator movie and seen other stuff related to this, maybe in other films. At the time of the gladiators, two gladiators would go at each other in a number of different ways. And at the end of the match, one of them would have victory over the other. And if you remember the movie, if you remember reading about this in your history, there would come a moment where one was dominant over his, his enemy, his foe and he's about ready to kill the foe and he turns and looks at the leader in charge of the games and that leader would have a thumb sticking out a thumb like my dad said and that leader they would wait until the leader decided the fate of the one who's been defeated you know what he did If the defeated person would be saved, he'd raise his thumb up. And if the defeated person was to be executed, they would put their thumb down. You know, God's been holding his thumb on us all of our lives, just like my dad said. But there'll come a day. Somebody's waiting to see the thumb go down, aren't you? (laughs) See, for most of you, the thumb's already been up. Yes? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has already said your salvation is complete because you believed in my son. But for many on the day of justice, the thumb will go down. Not because of God. But because he's a just God and people would not accept him. Friends, realize our Father is holy and he is just. And there will come a day when patience is complete and justice begins. Which then leads to the last part of this chapter. This is what makes this interlude so powerful. Then uh, John says, a voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, 
Take the scroll, that little scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So <laughs> I love reading the scriptures for this reason. So I went to the angel and I asked him, I mean, come on, just pause there. You see a mighty angel standing before you. You don't go tell him what to do. Can I get an amen on that? No, no, no. That massive angel that's so holy. I'm going to, may I have that little scroll, please? Come on. I'd be asking permission. And that's what he does. And the angel said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. And then I was told, you must prophesy again with many, about many people's nations, languages, and kings. Last night, Diane asked me, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know. How about Mexican? Good. Yeah, I'll get you a burrito. She brings me a burrito. She says, here, take this and eat it. It'll taste sweet in your mouth. <laughs> Come on. But it sure is making me pay the price today. Anybody with me? Maybe that's true with, for you like it is me. Mountain Mike's Pizza, I love it in my mouth. Pay for the pepperoni later. Some of you are lactose intolerant. You're going to go out and say, oh, root beer float, fantastic. Tastes great in my mouth, but that ice cream makes me pay later. Can I get an amen? You understand the concept. Back in the book of Ezekiel, he was called to be a prophet. And in Ezekiel chapter 2, he has this similar experience. Where before he's told what God's words are to the people of Israel, he said he's told to take and eat something and it'll be sweet in your mouth, sour in your stomach. Why? Because holiness and justice, when you're trying to live for God, does taste sweet in our mouths. Hearing that God loves us and cares for us and died for us on the cross so that we could live forever with him, that's sweet to us. Amen? It should be. But knowing that same message means there's condemnation for people who don't follow it sours my stomach, hurts my heart, makes me ache for people who aren't here today, who aren't listening to the Lord. Come on, you've got family members and friends in your life who the joy of the Lord is sweet to you, but man, it hurts in your heart and your soul and your gut knowing what awaits That's what John's experiencing. He's experiencing the heart of God. He sees holiness in the angel. He hears this message about the justice coming. And he's told one last time, I want you to feel what's going to happen. I want you to taste. Like Psalm says, that the Lord is good. But realize the pain the judgment will bring. 
See, God's heart is just like my dad's. This is going to hurt me more than it even hurts you. Because I long for my children to come home. And you hear that message, you think, wow, John, that was kind of heavy. Well, God's been saying it all along. Ezekiel was given a terrible message to share with Israel in order to call them back. Isaiah was told that they won't listen and they won't hear, but you keep preaching because maybe some will turn back. Then Jeremiah, he says, I couldn't stand it anymore. Go read him from Jeremiah. I couldn't stand it anymore. I just, I tried to hold his words in my belly. I did not want to say it any longer, but they were like a fire in me that I had to let it out. Peter is arrested by the Pharisees. He's told, shut up. Don't you mention that name again. He goes, you can do what you want with me, but we have to tell what Jesus did for us. And even Jesus, who died on a cross, resurrected afterwards, said, now listen, I now own all authority in heaven and on earth. So you got nothing to fear. So go now and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all things. And listen, I will be with you always. Sweet to the taste, sour to the stomach. Friends, I realize this is hard. Maybe not the best Father's Day message, but reveals the Father's heart. He's a holy God. He is just, but he's also patient. And he has a compassion unlike any you will ever see on earth. And that's why we've got to go tell people and nations and kings and everyone in their languages, they need to hear that time is short and Jesus is coming and they need to turn back to the Lord just like we did. That's the compassion of the Father. Dads, are you listening? Because you model the Father in your home. You need to be the ones that demonstrate pure behavior. If studies have revealed this over and over. Kids learn from their mothers what they believe and they learn from their dads how to behave. Ouch! Show your purity in your behavior. Secondly, you carry the justice banner. Sometimes that means we're the bad guy. But if we're not just, they will never learn what true justice looks like. And you go ask a teacher, watch what's coming into their classrooms. They don't understand justice because they're not learning it at home. And most of all, dads, You need to be men of compassion. Demonstrating not only holiness and justice, but mercy and forgiveness. Because that's what our Holy Father is for us. Amen? So hear the Father's heart today. Pursue God in purity and love one another in truth. Because that's what the Father is for you. 
you probably heard the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson Tata had an accident when she was a teenager, lost the ability to walk, to move her arms. She had a paralysis from her neck down, became this incredible leader. And one of the things she did was she started a camp for other young people who go through disabilities. And they would have these kids come into her camp for about five days, listen, learn, grow, do all kinds of fun things, learn how to live within their disability and to still experience all these fun things. At the end of the five days, they pass around a microphone to all the participants and ask them, what's one thing you got out of this camp? Well, one of these camps, there was a little freckled-faced kid named Jeff. And everybody was excited to hear what Jeff was going to say because he had Down syndrome and he was struggling with some of his disabilities and he had a great time at the camp. But when the mic got around to him, little Jeff said, let's go home, which threw everybody off. And mom, who was next to him, took the mic and said, just so you understand, Jeff loves his dad. And he's been missing him all week, even with all the fun, all the things he enjoyed, all the things he learned. He loves his dad so much, he can't wait to go home to see his dad. I can't wait to go home to see my dad. How about you? Thumbs up. Take time to smell the roses. God always has his thumb on you. Make sure it's a thumbs up for you. And remember, when he disciplines us, he does it out of love. And it hurts him more than it'll ever hurt you. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing a part of your father's heart in this story of judgment. This is hard stuff. And yet we see over and over your love and compassion for people to share this story through John long before it actually happens. Thank you for that. Help us to respond and to hunger to be holy and just and compassionate just as you are. Bless us as we attempt to do that and cover us with your grace. We ask in Jesus' name and everybody agreed and said, Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.